This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Idaho discussing a woman who was stabbed in her sleep. Then, we'll tell you about a teenage girl who is house-sitting alone when unexpected visitors terrorize the home. So buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the gym state. We usually start our cases out with an opening that grabs your attention. One that makes you excited to hear the upcoming story we're about to tell you. But this week, I could not find the words that would work. I mean, I just couldn't find anything that could explain how completely ridiculous and terrible this case is. So I'm just going to jump right in. So Kaylin Blue and Philip Schwab were both 33. They met in Colorado and had been together for seven years. Kaylin relocated to Idaho Falls shortly after beginning their relationship, and the couple moved in with Philip's mother. I know that sounds completely terrible. Mm-hmm. And any other circumstances, I would say, girl, run. Don't <sighs> move in with your boyfriend's mom. But Kaylin and Philip both had minor mental disabilities and were unable to live on their own. Okay. Gotcha. So they were as independent as they could be. They both had jobs. Kaylin had actually worked for Walgreens for about 12 years. Oh, wow. And transferred from Denver, where she was living mm-hmm. in Colorado. Transferred to a uh, Walgreens in Idaho Falls when she moved there to be with Philip. And he actually volunteered at the zoo. So both were loved by their co-workers and friends and family. And they seemed to have a pretty great relationship. In seven years to be yeah, with someone? I mean, I'm not doing that. So, <laughs> just saying. So, Kaylin's parents were not crazy about her moving away from Colorado because she had some disabilities. Sure. And they wanted her to stay home so they could take care of her and, you know. But she was grown. I mean, she wanted her independence and she'd met a guy that she was in love with and she she wanted to be with him. Mm -hmm. So they they let her. I hate to use the word let. Right. There's definitely a fine line between being too controlling and letting your child have their independence. So that could, that would be a tough decision. Well, and I'm sure having a child with mental disabilities, you, you tend to... Right. Be a helicopter parent mm-hmm. because you've always had to be. Right. And she was moving in with his parents. It wasn't like she was with going. With his mother. Yes. Right. So yes. it wasn't like she was just going to be alone. Right. right. So she did call them daily and kept in touch with cards and stuff on birthdays and other special occasions. So she didn't just like move sure. out. And they, they did keep in touch. So on the weekend of June 21st, 2019... Philip's mother went out of town, leaving the two alone for the weekend. So she'd only done this, this may have been the second or third time mm-hmm. she'd left them alone. But they were adults. So right. so Saturday, friends of Philip's saw him posting ominous things on his social media. Things like, if stabbing someone is wrong, I don't want to be right. Dead is better. And she deserved quicker. There were hundreds of these bizarre posts between Friday and Sunday and lots of posts about Trump, too. But people also said that really wasn't unusual 
for him that he would say kind of off color comments or, you know, make jokes at inappropriate times. You know, he just sure. he maybe didn't understand read social the room. norms. Yes. And like, I, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Yeah. So Kaylin had been scheduled to work that weekend. And when she didn't show up for several shifts, her coworkers reached out to her. They weren't able to get anyone, not even Philip. So then they reached out to her parents. Parents try to call. They can't get a hold of anyone either. So then they called the police and sent them over to the 300 block of Thayer Bridge Circle around 9 a.m. on Monday morning to do a welfare check. Because they couldn't get Philip either. No one's answering the phone. And his mother his mother's not back yet. yet. Oh, right. No. So they're panicked. Had Philip been calling his mother or did she not call to check in? There, it, yeah, gotcha. I didn't say. When police arrived, Philip answered the door and let them inside. The police could see blood in the house instantly. It was obvious this was not your normal welfare check. Something bad had happened. So they began to ask him questions about Kaylin's whereabouts, and that's when Philip said, I think I hurt her. He took them to the backyard. There in the flower bed, the officer saw a very shallow grave with Kaylin's face still visible above the dirt, and she had cuts on her face and neck. At this point, they read Philip his Miranda rights, place him under arrest. He does admit to killing Kaylin. Mm-hmm. They removed her body that afternoon and began investigating this horrific murder. Philip goes on to tell them what happened. He said in the early morning hours of Sunday, June the 23rd, around 1230, they were lying in their bed. Kaylin was asleep and she began to thrash around like she sometimes did. Like maybe she just, I mean, Max sleeps with me sometimes and he thrashes around and will hit me in his sleep or kick, right. you know. Mm-hmm. So she did the same thing and she accidentally hit Philip. This pissed him off. So he gets out of bed and grabs a knife that he had placed in his dresser drawer a few days before. Not just any knife, but a hunting knife that was the exact replica of the knife from the movie Scream. Phillips stabbed his girlfriend in the neck while she was sleeping soundly. She wakes up, tries to get away, runs into the hallway, enters into the bathroom, and Philip catches her. And stabs her 23 more times. Oh my In the gosh. face, the neck, and the chest, killing her. Then he goes in the backyard and gets the water hose and sprays the flower bed down to soften the dirt. Digs a hole, then drags her body outside and buries it in the shallow grave. But he's not done. Philip goes back in the house and stabs their two dogs to death before placing them in the trash can in his garage. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I know. That's why I was trying to write my opening, and I was like, I I just, I can't, there's nothing. I mean, I know we've covered some terrible cases before and things that are, quote, unquote, Mm -hmm. much more horrendous than, and I hate to even say that. You see what I'm saying? I hate to even say that because this is terrible. Like, these, this, Man and woman both had mental disabilities, oh, and gosh. for this to it just it's terrible. And I know 
I don't know the whole situation. I This is my first time hearing this case, so I don't know what the level of the disability was, but I've known in real life people that did have this, and not to the extent of killing someone, but they would kind of have outbursts of rage where right. they couldn't control their right. emotions. I don't know any of the technical she, terms, but they would have outbursts right. where it didn't make right. any sense. It's almost like they were a younger child throwing a tantrum, a tantrum and you, they didn't understand. Correct. I Again, I don't know what the level is here, but I'm not saying he's innocent, well, but she, like, oh my gosh. She was, she was not diagnosed oh, okay. with anything, okay. quote unquote, okay. per se. Yeah. She just had... Like maybe a lower lower IQ. like lower IQ. Gotcha. There was clearly intellectual disabilities, mm-hmm. and he actually had, I believe it's called the George syndrome, D I G E O R G E syndrome, mm-hmm. um, which is chromosomal, like trisomy right. thirteen or something like that. So Philip pled guilty originally, waiving a preliminary hearing. He was appointed a public defender. Because of his developmental disabilities, his mother was brought in to help explain his charges and throughout the investigation by police and the legal proceedings so she could explain things so he understood. Philip, like I said, was was diagnosed with the the George syndrome. I'm probably butchering that and we'll get 55 emails about it. And one of the symptoms is difficulty understanding and comprehending things. He had an IQ of 76, which was too high to be declared mentally ill, especially in the state of Idaho, which is 71. Oh, really? So with an IQ of 71, they can be executed even though he or she otherwise qualifies as intellectually disabled. So they have a fixed number. Experts agree that this does not and should not determine Anything in a court of law, but that's that's the rules in Idaho. 71. And he, even though has this syndrome and everything else going on, his IQ was 76. I've never heard of this syndrome before, but I'm just Googling it now but so I don't forget later. But that says associated conditions can even be schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Not saying he had this. Right. But that could be associated with it and rheumatoid arthritis, Graves disease, da 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 but wow. Yeah, but none of that mattered. Right. In a court of law. It was just all about the IQ. Mm-hmm. The number. So all of this came into play during the trial. He had to be able to understand the charges, what they meant, and the yeah. possibilities of punishment. The court brought up that Philip had been neglected as a child and was severely bullied, as well as his parents' divorce and the death of his father. He was an emotional ticking time bomb, and she set him off. So also one of the symptoms of his disease is not being able to express his emotions in a healthy way. Now I see why you had trouble with this, because it's... It's a slippery slope, because it's... Exactly. You don't want to have sympathy for someone that kills someone, but also... Right. They're... Ugh. This is sticky. Yeah. So Kaylin's brother gave... The impact statement, which I'm sure oh, yeah. was heartbreaking. There was no trial. He confessed. He had changed his plea to guilty. And his developmental disabilities would have just poured salt in the wounds for both families if they would have went to trial. Yeah. Gosh, this is really bad. So the prosecution did not seek the death penalty at the request of Kaylin's family. 
on June 30th, 2021, so just a few months ago, Philip was found guilty and was sentenced to 25 years to life, including time served. So he did about two years while he was waiting trial. Right. He's currently in Idaho State Penitentiary. He is 35 years old, and he is in general population, which I think is fucking bananas. For someone who has clinically been proven to be mentally delayed or mentally disabled or has these things going on to be put in general population in a prison, I'm not saying it. See, this is what I'm saying. It's such a slippery. Trying to think of something to articulate. But so prison should be to reform people. You know, like regardless of what they've done, maybe they should be there forever. Maybe they shouldn't. It depends case by case, but it should be to reform people, Mm -hmm. to help them. Mm -hmm. We don't want people, even if their sentences are lighter, to get out and murder again. So we need to help them in prison. But you don't want, yeah, but but don't put them in there like a, like just to fend for yourself. Yeah. Putting him in general population, I feel like. I don't know because I, I really don't know, but I feel like that that would perpetuate. Which is, yeah, I know. It just makes there, me. There's no way he could be in the general population, I don't think, and be reformed. I agree with you 100%. I know. Oh, I know. It's just it's just it's, a problem. Well, I was reading. Um, not, just, obviously, he ne- something needs to happen. Right. I'm not saying that. But, but it all comes back to that number. Mm-hmm. He's not air quotes, bad yeah. enough to, right. I hate to use the word bad enough, but you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not. It's just a, yeah. a line. He's, yeah. So disabled people are four to ten times more likely to become a victim of a violent crime. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Yeah, it's similar Ter- with it's schizophrenic. Ter- exactly. Yeah. It's awful. Mm-hmm. He had to pay $3,285.66 in restitution to Kaylin's family this specifically covers the cost of her cremation and counseling services for the family. Right. So, again, under Idaho law, this IQ number did not impact his legal competency, according to them. And this was passed in 1982, stating that a mental condition shall not be a defense to any charge of criminal conduct. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not saying it should be used as an excuse, but I feel right. like sometimes there are extenuating circumstances where yeah, maybe it's not always black and white. But also, this is clearly premeditated. Yeah. He did put the knife in his he, room days before this happened. And he clearly knew it was wrong. He knew right yes. from wrong. Or he would, yes. The it's only motive but, that he gave was that she hit him while she was thrashing around. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. That's the only motive. I have to wonder, did his, I'm not blaming his mom. I'm just, did he ever have any violent tendencies before? Because had he hurt animals? Nothing that I've seen, read, could find, said anything about either one of them having any outbursts or anyone saying that they were. Because having outbursts like yelling is one thing, but killing a human and two animals. animals. Because what what was... And then disposing of the body. And then you see what I'm saying? Like, you don't... Did he give an excuse for killing the animals? No. Just seems... Maybe, and I'm strictly speculating, maybe he thought they would dig her up. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But just... It's just, it's awful. I feel terrible for 
everybody's family, especially yeah. Kaylin's. Oh, for sure. And you know, oh, I'm sure her mother. She's probably oh thinking, God. I should have never let never her go, let but her it's go. not her fault. It's not. You, you gotta, it, but. Ugh. Oh, my goodness. I know. Because, again, like you said, they generally aren't the ones committing the crime. So. Right. There's no way she, for her family to know that would have happened. Or, no. Oh, seven years? This is, they're yeah, together seven years. Exactly. And there's nothing ever been any. No red flags in seven years. I mean. Just like gosh. he snapped. But he didn't just snap. It was. Clearly premeditated. Yeah. But see, that's the thing. He obviously, mm-hmm. even if he didn't quite grasp the extent of what he was doing, he knew enough to clean, or not clean, but dispose of the body. Dispose of the dogs. Yeah. So, oh gosh. And post all the things that he posted yeah. on the social media. And that, and, and, that, and that was just three things, four things I read off. There were hundreds. Oh and, my goodness. And they were terrible it honestly just puts a question what do you do with people like him honestly right i mean like normal prison doesn't seem quite right but also intellectual people intellectual disabilities represent 10 percent of the general population in prison really that high okay i didn't know that yeah, yeah. which is terror it's, it's i feel like there should i don't know i don't know any oof is terrible all around those with cognitive disabilities have the highest rate of being a victim of a violent crime Mm so it's just it's terrible but then it's like you you don't want to like you said be too empathetic to the murder because it seems like you're defending his actions when that's not at all what we're trying to do no 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 that's terrible it's terrible no. But then also you got to look at it as he wasn't. What's that term? In Arkansas, what do they say? Of sound body and mind? Right. Of sound body and mind. But I guess it's a different state. That's another thing. States are so different. So different. In all of the laws, it's, oh gosh. I wonder what they do in other countries. Girl. Whew, this is a whole. This is a rabbit hole. Is, big time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't have a demonic story or ghost story. And I'm turning my mic off. (laughs) I should have, but... Okay, I'm just going to dive into... So my story today is a reminder that teenagers are the worst. We needed reminding. (laughs) If you're a teen and you're listening, I'm sorry, but you'll agree one day. So first, let me tell you a little bit about Cassie Jost Stoddart. In September of 2006... Cassie was a 16-year-old junior in high school. She loved music and drawing. She was born on December 21st in 1989 in Pocatello, Idaho. So this is a random sidebar, but the Netflix documentary Abducted in Plain Sight, did you see that? It was big a couple of years ago. No, because it blew up. It blew up. And and everything I read, I was like, I don't want to be a part of this. Yeah, so it was filmed in Pocatello. And that Netflix documentary, I'm not really going to get into that, but the girl Jan, or the lady, when she was a child, she was kidnapped twice. And that happened there. And it's a wild documentary. But anyway, thought Mm -hmm. that was kind of an odd coincidence. Cassie wasn't the oldest of her siblings, but she was always the headstrong one, according to her brother, Andrew, who was just a year and a half younger. He always looked up to Cassie. Cassie was a good girl. She was a straight-A student, and beyond that, adults considered her to be responsible. 
Her aunt and uncle would often ask her to pet sit when they went out of town, and she would even babysit their son sometimes. On the night of September 22, 2006, she happened to be house-sitting for her aunt and uncle on Whispering Cliffs Drive in Northeast Bannock County. And she was going to do this for the weekend. They asked her to take care of their three cats and two dogs. Cassie did have a boyfriend named Matt Beckham. And that Friday night, he decided to swing by the place to visit. Her aunt and uncle did know about this, and they allowed it. She was responsible. They weren't too concerned about that. But the thing is, he wasn't the only person that stopped by that night. He also had a couple of his friends visit. Matt arrived around 6 p.m., and classmates Brian Draper and Tori Adamsick, all 16-year-old boys, arrived a little later to hang out. Cassie gave them a tour of the house, including the basement. It was one of those split-level houses. And they all four went back to the living room to watch Kill Bill Volume 2. I love the Kill Bill movies. I never saw them. They're really good. Well, Brian and Tori, again, Tori's a guy, T-O-R-E-Y, left before the movie was over. They said they wanted to go to the movie theater and watch a movie there instead. The movie they said they went to see was Pulse, which I never saw either. Pulse? Sounds familiar. So they left, and Cassie and her boyfriend Matt stayed there, and they finished the movie. A little while later, the power went out. While they were watching the movie? Well, I don't know for sure if it was while they were watching the movie or what, but this freaked Cassie out, and Matt noticed that one of the dogs was acting off, as in it kept staring down the basement stairs and would bark and growl in that direction. First of all, that would be enough to really freak me out. Mm, yeah. So this was all making Cassie pretty uneasy, so Matt called his mom and explained the situation. You know, the lights are out, she's here by herself, she's scared, and he asked her if he could spend the night. I'm actually surprised he asked his mom that, but it's like so sweet and wholesome, you know what I mean? Right. They're 16. She was just like, no. (laughs) I mean. You're not sick. No. Obviously. Well, Max is... You better not ever. No. I mean, you know, she said no, but I will say this. So she did tell him if she's really that, you know, scared, she can come over and stay at our house for the night. And then in the morning, she would take her back to her aunt and uncle's house. Makes sense. I would do that. Yeah. That's a nice gesture for the mom. She's worried she can come here. Yeah. yeah. That way I'm here. Mm -hmm. You're not staying alone at a house with no adult supervision, but... Cassie felt like the whole point of her being there was to be there to house it, pet it. She was getting paid for this. So she declined the request, you know. She's I don't know. Like, if I was scared enough, I'd be like, okay. She didn't want to leave the house. It wasn't at that point that big of a deal. Well, around 10.30 p.m. that night, Matt's mom picked him up and took him home. This left Cassie there alone. Nope. Or so she thought. Nope. Matt called Cassie later at 12.15, but she did not answer. By Saturday morning, Matt had called her 15 times. Cassie's mom had also tried to get a hold of her on Saturday. She called and texted, never heard back. On Saturday, Matt spent the evening with Tori and Tori's family. Matt was kind of getting concerned that Cassie wasn't getting back with him. That was unusual. You know, when you're a teenager, you talk on the Mm -hmm. phone a thousand hours a day, or at least I did. I mean, I'm like, 40 and I still do that. That's all you do is you just talk yeah. on the phone. No. So that's weird to have a boyfriend and not talk to them all weekend long. So 
He asked Tori if they could drive by the house she was staying at, but Tori said he didn't have enough gas to get there and back, so they didn't end up going. Again, 16-year-olds, gas money, that's a very relevant yeah. conversation. Oh, I don't have the money. Sure. That night, Matt stayed over at Tori's place. On Sunday, Cassie's aunt, uncle, and their kids returned to the house around 1.15 p.m. The and door- no one's heard from her. Correct. Okay. All of the doors were open, and there was broken glass at the foot of the stairs as they were entering the house. Bad sign. (sighs) Their 13-year-old daughter went into the living room and found Cassie dead on the floor. Cassie had been brutally stabbed approximately 30 times. Oh my gosh! What? What? Go. 12 of them were fatal stabs. 12 were Mm -hmm. fatal And most of the fatal wounds struck the right ventricle of her heart. So whoever stabbed her knew what they were doing. Or just Or they just were correct, yeah. I hate to use that word. Right. They were just, yeah. She didn't have any signs of sexual assault. Nothing appeared to be stolen. So it was kind of, I mean, it's all terrible and all weird. But usually in that situation, I feel like there's an obvious motive like sexual assault or robbery. But those were off the table. So, of course, police contact the boyfriend because who else would just break in? Who was the last one? Yeah. Yeah. He was the last person to see her. Who else would do that? And once they told him about her dying and about her death, they didn't think he was emotional enough. So they thought he was suspicious in the beginning. Well, I mean, I might have appeared emotionless as well. It kind of takes me a while to process. So, again. There's shock. Definitely. So they were kind of like, what's the deal? Well, he told them all about the night. And then he also mentioned a couple of friends stopped by. So the police are like, okay, well, we're going to call this Brian and Tori in for questioning. So they come in on the 27th. So Brian and Tori told police that they left the house around 830 to go to the movies. So this was about two hours before Matt left. So the detective started asking Tori for basic details about the movie he supposedly had seen. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Pulse. And they said, okay, well, what, what's the plot? What happened? They couldn't remember any of it. No details. They had no idea. Not a good look. Anything that happened in the movie. Again, if they're just going to, it's not like they're making out with girlfriends the whole time. They're just there. At the movie. Yeah. Exactly. That kind of gave them a red flag. Like, okay, they don't know a sink. They don't even know the plot of this movie. Well, Brian ended up blaming Tori for Cassie's murder. In fact, Brian led law enforcement to a stash of evidence he and Tori had buried in the Black Rock Canyon area. The evidence included two dagger-style knives with sheaths, a silver and black-handled knife with a smooth blade. So there were two different knives. A red and white mask, which I will post pictures of that's terrifying. It's broken kind of into pieces, but it's kind of like a white mask with blood splatter across it. It's not a clown mask, but almost looks kind of like a doll Mm-hmm. A creepy doll, but it's not. It's hard to explain. I've never seen it before. But latex gloves and a videotape. A videotape? Mm-hmm. Man, he rolled over quick. He was like, oh, yeah. I will not go down with this ship. Oh, no. yeah. So, and just so you know, that is me. <laughs> to you. Yeah. That is me. I'm going to tell on everybody. If I get in trouble, no one walks. Well, at this point, Tori didn't know Brian was blaming him. Right. So they call Tori back in for questioning, and he said, okay. We weren't really at the movies. We were out trying to break into cars and steal stuff in cars. So detectives finally looked at him and were like, okay, look, we have evidence and we know what happened Friday night. 
Then immediately, Tori cracks and starts blaming Brian for Cassie's murder. Sure. So now they're both completely blaming the other one. Of course. They're, the other ones, they're innocent. The other one did it all, all of it. Well, like I said, police found a videotape. They were able to straighten it out. You know, it was recorded on one of those camcorders, no iPhones. They watched all the footage, and I watched portions of it as well. Insert gag. They filmed their entire plan. They filmed them talking about the plan? Their faces, both of them together in the same scene sometimes at school. Oh, they were planning this at school? Oh, yeah. Yeah, at school. Mm -hmm. And this was one of them's girlfriend. No, Matt was the boyfriend, but okay. Matt was friends with these guys. Okay. Cassie was friends with these guys. Okay. They weren't like her good friends, but it's like, you know, it's she her boyfriend's yeah. friends. Sure. They had all gone to school together for a really long time. They weren't enemies. Nothing. In fact, both Brian and Tori later confessed to having crushes on Cassie at some point. Yeah, nothing says I want to go out with you, like <sighs> stabbing you to death. God. They're like, oh yeah, we had crushes on her, but Matt was with her and... <sighs> So, I hate this so much. Matt, even though he was friends with these two guys, he was not involved in any of this. He He had no clue. They even talked about in the videotape at one point that their target was Cassie, but if Matt got involved, they would kill him too. If he would have stayed, they would have killed him too. Yeah. I mean, I can't. But there's no doubt. They would have. And I'll link up YouTube videos that have portions of this, but it was almost like they were filming a documentary or something. Uh-huh. It was really unsettling. They they were both, I don't want to use the word obsessed, but they were constantly filming. They were really into movies and they considered themselves movie buffs. It almost sounds like Scream when they're recording each other. Yep. And... He's like, stab me, stab me, so it looks like it's... Mm-hmm. You remember that part? It's just exactly what this sounds like, that scene. Oh, yeah. So I'll read just a little bit of the video transcript so you don't have to hear these two assholes talking because... I Right. Anyway. Okay, so to set the scene, Brian and Tori are in the car. Tori's driving. Brian is filming from the passenger seat. So this is just a clip. It's obviously longer, but Brian says, we're going for a high death count. Tori. Plus, we're not going to get caught, Brian. If we're going for guns, we're just going to end it. We're just going to grab the guns and get out of there and kill everybody and leave. Brian. We're going to make history. We're going to make history. Tori. For all you FBI agents watching this, uh, you weren't quick enough. Then they're both laughing. Brian. You weren't quick enough and you weren't smart enough and we're going over to someone's house. And at this point, they mention another girl who they went to school with. This name was redacted, but they had planned to kill another girl at this point. So After, they weren't even... No, before. Oh, this before, is before they got they, Cassie. At this point, they were planning on killing someone else. So they mentioned another girl's name and then said this about this girl. We're going to snoop around over there and try to see if she's home alone or not. And if she's home alone, splat, she's dead. Oh, my God. And then Tori says, don't put your humor in this, Brian. Brian says, uh, I'm not putting any humor into it. Yep, people will die and memories will fade. Brian, okay, we're on our way and I'm gonna, I'll let you stay tuned. We're almost there. And so later on the tape, you hear Brian say, this is after a murder occurs. We just left her house. This is not a joke. I stabbed her in the throat and I saw her lifeless body talking about Cassie, and he says her name. So, My oh yeah, face right their now. faces are on it. They're both talking about it. The transcript of this tape was later read aloud in court. 
Can you imagine? I mean, that's uh-uh. the nail in the coffin. Yeah. There's there's no you denying. don't need yeah. you don't need <laughs> anything else at this You're point. Done. So they referenced in these videos serial killers like the Hillside Strangler, the Zodiac Killer, and Ted Bundy. They referred to the Zodiac Killer and Ted Bundy as amateurs. <laughs> it's I, not funny. It's I'm laughing at how stupid no. these guys are. Watching them, I mean, first of all, they're disgusting and horrible. But I had secondhand embarrassment at how they're so confident, and it's like you—you you guys are idiots. And they also mentioned being inspired by the Columbine high school shooters. Which just is disgusting. Like it's like there's a fine line between being interested in true crime because, like us, we're interested in true crime. We are not inspired, and we certainly don't think Ted Bundy is an inspiration. He's no, trash and putting, he sucks. We're not putting them on a pedestal. No, no. So they're also re- like you mentioned earlier. They're really inspired by the horror franchise Scream. It started out where they wanted to make a movie, a scary mm-hmm. movie, and that's what they talk about in school all the time. And all the kids at school are like, oh yeah, these guys are just talking about making a scary movie. And then it kind of spiraled into wanting to do a school shooting. And then the other guy's like, no, we shouldn't do that. Let's do it like Scream. So that's when you said it's like Mm -hmm. Scream, that's what they were going for. Most people have seen Scream, but several teenagers in the movie are killed by a mutual friend. With a knife. With a knife. So similarities. And they also had a list with names of other people they planned on killing. So before they killed Cassie, like I mentioned, they had tried to kill other people. I think they said around nine. Oh, my gosh. So they had a long list of people, and they kept going to houses. And these are teenagers, and their parents were home. So So that's why they didn't kill them. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. So it just happened that Cassie, they knew Matt. They they had, like, an inside scoop. They knew Uh she was there alone. They went there. They unlocked. It was just, it's horrible. So both Brian and Tori received life sentences in prison without the possibility for parole, plus 30 years to life for the conspiracy behind their brutal slaying. So both of them are in prison in Idaho, but Tori tried to get his sentence changed in 2019. Tori requested that his sentence be canceled and to get a new one, but the judge denied his request and he's still in Idaho State Correctional Institution. Well, Brian asked for a new trial back in 2011. According to the Idaho State Journal, he asked the state Supreme Court justices to change or reduce his sentence. His public defender, Molly Husky, said that his sentence was, quote, unconstitutionally cruel, that he was immature and had poor judgment at the time of the murder. His request was also denied. In 2010, Cassie's family filed a civil lawsuit against the Idaho School District. They claim that the school was negligent and should have known that the boys posed a threat to others. Like I said, they filmed at school constantly. They talked about their plans of killing at school. This is on footage. Some kids did hear them talk about these things, but when they said something or they knew they were listening, they would just say, oh, we're talking about, you know, the movie we're planning. It's going to be a movie like Scream. I don't know that any students heard them mention specifically that we're going to go kill specific people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So both civil court and the state Supreme Court dismissed the case, saying that the actions of the killers were not foreseeable. In the case of Miller versus Alabama in 2012, the United States Supreme Court ruled that mandatory sentences of life without possibility of parole are unconstitutional for juvenile offenders, even in cases of murder ruling that the youth of the convict had to be considered. 
In 2016, the Supreme Court ruled in Montgomery v. Louisiana that this doctrine had to be applied to cases retroactively and directed a review of all such cases, potentially 1,200 to 1,500 nationwide. Given juveniles' brain immaturity, the Supreme Court ruled that there had to be an opportunity to consider the mitigating factors as well as later review of the sentences of such inmates with possible relief for persons who had reformed. It said that, quote, children who commit even heinous crimes are capable of change, and Brian and Tori are among the cases that the state courts will review under this ruling. On October 16, 2019, the Supreme Court held oral arguments in Mathena v. Malvo, another juvenile life without parole case that would have had an effect on Brian and Tori's sentences. The Supreme Court dismissed the Malvo case, but did hear oral arguments in Jones v. Mississippi, another case relating to juvenile life without parole sentences, on November 3, 2020. On April 22, 2021, the Supreme Court ruled in Jones that finding of permanent incorrigibility isn't required when sentencing a juvenile. This is actually something I'd be really interested in talking to a forensic psychiatrist or psychologist about. Since Samuel won't, we're going to have to start text bombing his colleagues, I think, about this. It would also be interesting to talk to them about your case. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I do know that technically people under the age of 18 years old cannot be labeled as a psychopath because that's an adult condition. If they present those types of traits and they're younger, they're said to have, quote, conduct disorder with callous and unemotional traits. I read into this a little more and read a Business Insider article that 1 in 100 children show antisocial traits, which can act as warning signs that they will become psychopaths when they grow up. What? To be fair, not all psychopaths kill people, but still, that's freaky. I'll link up this entire article in our show notes because it's interesting. It's really long. It doesn't really have anything to do with this case. But anyway, I'll end on a quote from Cassie's brother, Andrew. He said this, I know how to handle it now. It's still a huge part of me. For me, every month of September is when I struggle to get through. It comes in waves, honestly. There's days when I'm fine, and others I'll just crumble. We love her. It's always going to be a part of us. It's not like it's ever going to go away. It's always on the back of our minds. But we focus on keeping our family strong instead of focusing on the bad. We focus on the good and when she was still around. No one should ever have to go through this. That's terrible. How scary for her. Oh, I know. I mean, it's like... The point where they unlocked the the basement door, snuck back, they parked down the neighborhood. It was like a scary movie. They dressed in all black. Like a scary movie, Crept in the house. And so basically what they... It kind of came together. What happened is they turned off the power again, thinking she would come downstairs and they would ambush her. She never did. Probably because she was upstairs freaked out. So what they did, they were sick of waiting for her. They went upstairs and slammed a closet door really loud to freak her out while she was lying on the couch. They were wearing these scary masks and all black and then ambushed her. That is my worst fucking nightmare. The thought that that's what happened to her before, that's just... It makes me so It's angry. cruel. It's, it's your... I can't even imagine. I mean, I can remember what it's like to be 16 pretty clearly. And to think about any yeah. of this is just unfathomable, honestly. I just... Moving on. So, 
Now let's segue because that's all bad. <laughs> I, they, oh, it's, it's so hard to segue. It's like, okay. I know. Ugh. Anyway, we have two new patrons. Dun, 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 dun. Victoria M. from California. Yay! And she also bought us three cocktails. Yay! We love a cocktail. We do. So I made us some apple teenies today. And they are actually pretty good. Oh, good. I'm impressed. I've spilled most of mine on myself. Your bartending skills are lacking, I'll just say. But this is good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the problem is I'm following random recipes on Pinterest. It's not like I have a trusted source. If anyone has any bartending book that actually has consistency, hit me up. But anyway, so this, she's also involved in the giveaway that we're going to do. Her Instagram shop is she.and.the.moon. The witch confetti, crystal confetti, and we have a lavender-filled knit pumpkin that are going to be in the giveaway. And I've tagged her on that post. You'll find out more about that later in October. But thank you so much, Victoria. And we also have another one, Charlie R. from Ohio. Yay, Charlie! So it's C-H-A-R-L-E-Y, Charlie. It's a girl, maybe. I don't know for sure. Didn't matter. Thank you, Charlie, so much. We love our California listeners and Ohio. For some reason, we have a lot of listeners there. <laughs> I don't, it's kind of random. We love it. Yeah, we love it. And and Greece, apparently. Hey. Hey, Greece. Okay, if you're a listener in Greece, can you email us and tell us what's going on? Because we don't understand. Because we are, what number are we on the Greece we, chart? We are... Fourth number in the Apple True Crime four. Greece, but we don't understand. We were why. number six yesterday and number four today. That's fantastic. This isn't a complaint. I just know confused. This is awesome, and I'm super proud of us. Email us if you're from Greece. I don't know. Anyway, thank Doesn't you, matter. Victoria. Thank you, Charlie. Where are we next week? Connecticut. Okay, let's do Connecticut. Does that sound good? Let's bebop back to the Northeast. I've never been let's to Connecticut. Do all these little baby states. Yeah, lately we've been in states I've never been to. I've never been to Idaho. I've never been to Vermont. Mm-mm, me either. Okay, Connecticut. Follow us along on our Patreon at patreon.com slash United States of Murder. And here soon we're going to have to record our October episode. Yeah. And there's a... Where, how oh my god, it's going to be like two hours Oh long. my gosh. It's going to be so long, guys. There will be minimal editing because so it'll be many, too long. <laughs> so many updates. So many updates. What else is going on? Oh gosh. Oh, you finished American finish Horror American Story. Horror Story. Red Tide. Not. I did not I, like the ending. So, did you watch it? Well, sort of. Um, I fuck. I read all the details, and I, I think, can't with you. I think what's his face? What's his name? All the spoilers. If you don't want to hear it, then skip or turn oh, it yeah. off. Skip just a few seconds. I think Ryan Murphy needs to take one of those pills so he can learn how to write <gasps> finales. Yeah, it was not. It was not a great finale. So this is exactly what my my problem's been in the past. It's just the seasons are longer. They start off so good, and I'm always disappointed at the end. And I, what did, what would you have changed? They didn't need to go to L.A. There was too much going People on. Or like we don't know what she's sorry. About. You can skip ahead. They didn't. There was too much going on untied that they needed to stay in Provincetown. I'm disappointed. I never saw the mom again. Exactly. Why wasn't she in the last? I wanted revenge. Why was she not in the group that went in? Exactly. The- yeah. I wanted Try revenge. Try not to give away too much. I wanted revenge. That's what I wanted. Well, n- tomorrow, but you're going to be out of town. Tomorrow is the uh, first episode of the. I am going to try that one. We'll see. It's only four episodes. 
it's not as long. I'm like, how how's he going to screw up this ending? It'll Shut be three up. good episodes, and then the ending, he's like, <laughs> don't he, piss Ron Murphy off. He needs to call Mike Flanagan on notes. Okay, so I'm I'm six and a half episodes deep on Midnight Mass. I'm five, and it has been a struggle. I am not going to lie. Please tell me what you love about so it this so is, much. So this kind of show, did you watch Haunting of Hill yes, House Blimey? Loved it. Same guy. Both. I will both. say this: long in the tooth. Their monologues are too long. It's too much. I love character dramas. I like getting to know characters. I'm fast forwarding through things. But no one talks to each other like that. No one talks to someone for ten minutes without interruption. You know what I mean? We can't get through a, a sentence and we interrupt each other constantly. But it's it's More just so me. Who has all these monologues? It's a show, Lacey. It's not real I life. Know. But I love it. I love um, What do you love about it? It's it's killing me. It's nails on a chalkboard. And I love horror things. All so, the horror things. So what I really like about it Please. Okay. So I love slow burns, slow no. things. And what I really like is it it kind of ties in the angle of how people in cults or in extreme religions get sucked in. Get sucked in. I see that now that you're saying it, and now maybe I'm looking at it from a different. See, that's what I'm. I'm looking at it like spoilers. Well, kind of. I'm not saying because all these spoilers. miracles are happening. You're at what five episodes in? Five. Skip, 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 people. The fact that he, the priest, can look at that and be like, "That's an angel." That blo- first of all, what? No, 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 sir. Oh, the guy? Hell no. In the thing? Yes. And then he comes back? You think that's an angel? I don't know. It's a lot. That's freaking terrifying. It's like Nosferatu. It is Nosferatu with wings. But it's just the fact that he looks at that and doesn't think that's bad. He thinks that's good. And then he kills people and thinks that's God's will. And it's like he's constantly trying to explain to himself everything. And then the Bev chick, who I hate... Keeps kind of trying to convince the other townsfolk that this is good, and it's it's just kind of culty, I guess. It's very culty now that you say that. It, it is. It I comes, didn't look at it. That it way. kind of gives me the insight of this is how people trick themselves into thinking they're doing the right thing. Well, this when is it's, surely right because as an it's outsider, a, yeah. I'm like, what is wrong with these people? But they're just like, slowly. well, the one mom. Now the one mom is like, don't go back to that church. Oh, she 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 knows. saw it right at the beginning. She did. It's because she knew him, and she no yeah. one else knew him younger. And she's like, sure. this is not the same this person. Is not the same I don't person. recognize that. But what I really liked. So, are you done with episode five? I mean, I've got like four minutes left, but it doesn't matter. I'm going to watch it anyways. Tell me what? No, it's the end. Then don't tell me your no. face right oh now. My God. Is it the ending of this episode that's going to yes. blow my mind? Well. I don't want to say too much. Okay, then don't. I'm just going to say Mike Flanagan punched me in the face. Not in a bad way, but in a way like you're going to cry. Well, maybe not. I don't no, know. No, It was very – no. He does, does have anything to do with the baby? No. Okay. He does a good job at pulling at your heartstrings. It's like – I don't know. It's – keep watching through the credits and I just thought – Through the credits? Yeah, through the credits. I always skip next to next episode. Am I supposed to have been watching through the credits? No, no. It's just it ends – You'll know. It's just, Jesus. it's something that's like a nice touch. You know, normally shows have music in the credits, sure. blah, blah, blah. It's just, an, it's a nice touch, meaning it's terrible. I'm so fucking terrible. confused right now. Let me know what you think of the ending of season four. I just thought it was well done. I thought it was well put together. Well, this is refreshing because I like the American Horror Story. You thought it sucked donkey balls. I think this show <laughs> is like. See, this is killing. right up this my is, alley. This is like. Um, to be fair, I'm not done no. yet. I have two more episodes left. No. I am struggling. The only reason why I haven't quit is because I'm like, something has, there has to be something that's going to make this better. 
But so far, I'm not looking at it like horror, I guess. I'm looking at it like creepy, culty, religious no. stuff. I need somebody to get their head chopped off soon. Well, you're about to see something. It better pick up because if not, I mean. Thank you for listening to our rants about two yes, shows. Thank you. <laughs> Anyways, oh. Connecticut, we gotta go. We gotta go. It's been a pleasure. It has been. Per Bye. Bye.